For Christmas, I've been preaching through the wonderful words of Christmas. And you have to think, what are those words? And so here were the words I came up with. Uh, power. Uh, nothing is impossible with God. Uh, light. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. John said that God sent the light in the world. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. He, the word is love and salvation, and I had to put those together. They fit together for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Tonight, the word is for hope. And if you get to be with us tomorrow at 10 o'clock, one service for one hour, we're going to talk about joy and the joy that comes from the Lord. And those two are, for me, those are the apex of those wonderful words. He is our hope and he is our joy. And I want to read to you from Luke chapter 2, beginning with verse 1, about what I put in hope. And I, here's what I want you to see. Luke is setting up something big for us. Something very important is about to happen. It's going to take place. It's going to be exciting. It's going to be something that you can't wait to get. Luke was a Gentile, didn't come to know the Lord until after the resurrection. But then... He set about to set up, what did, what did he say? What did he preach? What did he do? And he interviewed eyewitnesses. He interviewed Mary. It's very obvious that he did. And he learned all of these things that, that Jesus had said and done. And he wanted the Romans and he wanted those in leadership to know who Jesus was. So he prepared us. And he said it in history, and he showed them who Jesus was. So here's the way it goes. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So he puts it within the Roman Empire. He brings it down to Syria. Judea was a part of Syria at that time. He, he brought it, and now he's going to bring it, and he's going to introduce to us Joseph and Mary and Nazareth and Galilee and Bethlehem. And then he's going to tell us about a baby in a manger. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he, Joseph, belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him, and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, a food trough. You can still see those made out of stone in Israel. She placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. 
Now, you know what today is, and you know what tomorrow is, and some of you know what yesterday was, and I don't mean just the 23rd, but the Seinfeld show called it Festivus. A Festivus for the rest of us. And it was cute, and it made you smile, made you, somebody talks about it, just kind of shrug your shoulders and go on. Nothing devious about it, I don't think, and it's not a put down of it. It, it was an amazing little thing. We, we need some way to have community with people. We need to have some way to have a group of people and friends over. We don't go to church. We don't celebrate Christmas. What do we do? So they had Festivus, a Festivus for the rest of us. Remember what happens? They had a, they had a Festivus pole. I never knew what that was about. Uh, not a tree, a pole. Uh, they, they would meet together and air grievances. Now, that'll ruin your Christmas meal tomorrow. And then they had feats of strength, everybody showing off. And that was their attempt at community and meaning. That was 25 years ago, by the way. But it's not, it's not a put down. But as I've reflected about that, that's a poor substitute for what the God of the universe did in history. It is an empty soul attempt to have something of meaning in your life. All of that was what God gave us in Jesus the Christ. We, we kind of know what a soul is. We kind of even know what an empty soul is. And sometimes we feel that all the life has been drained out of us. But every time I feel that way, I find myself self being filled again by the wonderful words of Scripture, by music sung to the greatness of God by friends and family who come around me and encourage me and help me in times of trouble. That is what Jesus did for us when he came to our world. I want to talk with you about hope, and I want to give you what I define as five elements of hope. You have these things, and you have a reason to hope. And if you have a reason to hope, Life becomes amazingly significant and amazingly lovely and precious. And so here are the five elements that I see. Hope is knowing that God is at work and that he is moving among us. I think that's what Luke was saying here. God is at work here. Something big is taking place. We know when Augustus was Caesar. We know when Quirinius was over Syria. We know that there was a first census and a second census. And that's why Luke says it was the first census. And we know that was about 6 B.C. And if you wanted to know why wasn't Jesus born in zero, well, there was no zero. You can either have a 1 B.C. or a 1 A.D., but you can't have a zero. So why wasn't he born in 1 A.D.? 
Well, they developed this calendar about 450 years after the time of Jesus. They just got it wrong. They just got it wrong. And now you can go back and put the history together and, and know that Jesus was born somewhere between about 4 and 6 B.C. And the really element about that is, is the fact that Herod the Great died in 4 B.C. So Jesus had to have been born before then. But that's just a little history lesson. What, they, what Luke wanted to know, God is at work. God's doing something. And he put it in history and he showed us these people. There's a second element of hope, and that is knowing that you are not alone. Number one, number two, number three kind of fit together along those lines. It's knowing that you're not alone. It's knowing that you're not walking through this world by yourself. It's knowing that if you get stuck in the mud, there's somebody to come by and pull you out or at least get in the mud with you to console you and help you along the way. We all need to know that we're not alone. And when God sent Jesus into the world, he sent him to let us know that who? God is with us. That he is right here with us. That he's not way out there somewhere, but he is here. He is with us. We should always know when we come together as the people of the church that God is here, that God is working that God is going to be here. You read in Revelation and it talks about Jesus being upset among the churches and walking among the churches. I've often said that, that we ought to sometimes just close our eyes in church and imagine Jesus walking right here with us. We're not alone. When I give my testimony, I, I talk about I came, to fight Christ, I came to faith in Christ at age nine. And there are a couple of things that stand out to me. One of them is I've never been alone. And I didn't know that was a theological statement for a long time. For me, it was just a very practical statement. God is present with me. I know God is here. I, I know I meet him in his word. I know I meet him in prayer. I know I meet him in the Lord's Supper. I, I know he is here, and I am not alone. But it is a theological statement. For God, he, he is Emmanuel, God with us. It is a theological statement because when I accepted Christ at age nine, God's Holy Spirit came to live within me. That happens for every believer. Most of us are not really aware of what has happened to us because how could we be? But when we do, God's Spirit comes to live within us. I am never alone. And if I am never alone, I always have hope. As long as there is God, there is hope. A third thing that hope does it makes us, we have hope when we know that somebody cares. God knows your name. He knows when you were born. God knows the configuration of this congregation right now. Everybody, all the way around, he knows our names, knows where we're sitting. He knows what we're going through in life. He knows you. 
And your prayers, your prayers of desperation go out to a loving, caring God. And even when you don't think that God hears, God knows our prayers. Somebody cares. And what did he establish? He established a church, a caring community, a community of people where people know our names and know our circumstances and pray for us. A lot of times, you, we now hear people in days of tragedy, they talk about my thoughts and my prayers go out to you. Sometimes they leave off the prayers and they just say, my thoughts go out to you. And I, I just always used to, I get the prayers part, I love that. I, I was just kind of blasé about the thoughts part. But I've changed my mind. I've changed my mind, but it's because if somebody is thinking of you, that's a tremendous thing. And it is a life-giving thing when somebody sends you a text. We used to phone call, of course, but now we just text. But somebody sends you a text and say, I prayed for you. And as I was praying this morning, God brought your name up. Or maybe you just say, I thought of your name. And I thought I ought to pray for you. I don't know what I'm praying about. I just want you to know I'm praying for you. That is life-giving. That is hope-giving. That fills us with meaning and significance. Hope is knowing that somebody cares and they, they, they are praying for you and encouraging you and help us. Sometimes the only thing we need to make it in life is just somebody who says, I'm praying for you. It's just somebody who says, you matter to me. And you and I as the church, we ought to leave here looking for people who can matter to us, who can be encouraged and can be helped by us. Not in a big way, although a big way would really be nice, but just in the smallest things of life, in the smallest kindness, the smallest courtesy, the smallest caring about other people. It gives hope to others to know that somebody cares. There, there's a fourth element for hope, and that is knowing that my life has a meaning attached to it. I can't think of anything more depressing than the modern-day view that this magnificent universe, you don't even have to know about the universe, just know about Earth, that this magnificent Earth was created by coincidence. And that all of the things that make us live on this third rock from the sun and nowhere else in the universe was just a happenstance. And if that is right, then it means you have no meaning for being here tonight. But it also means you have no meaning for being anywhere tonight. And it means that not much that you're going to do in life is going to have any significance. 
But if what the Bible teaches is the word of God and is truth, then this, this world didn't just happen to be. It was created by his spoken word and came from the mind of God. And it is perfect, and it is exactly as he wanted it to be. That's what Genesis means. He, he looked at everything. He said, and it was good. And day two, it was good. And day three, it was good. And then when he created you and me, he said, and it's very good. The Bible tells us that each one of us are created in the image and the likeness of God. We are his children. We were put here for a purpose. We were put here for a meaning. Paul illustrates that better than anyone else. Paul said, God works all things together for good to those who love him. And what did he mean? Not that everything that happens is good. Not that everything that happens comes from God. We live in a broken world of sin and rebellion. But there's a God who loves us. And cares for us. And God will take all of these tragic, hurtful, shameful experiences of life. And if we will work with God and let him have our lives, he will, he will bring good out of those things. I remember the, the time I was 17 years old. My mother quoted to me, uh, Romans 8, 28, God works all things together for good. And the things going on in my life, I couldn't think of any good from that. And here I am all these years later, and I see exactly the good that God brought from it. That's what God wants to do in our lives. He wants us to look at life differently, and he wants us to look at it through his eyes and see what he is doing in the world and where we fit into that. Famous theologian said the two best days of your life, the day you were born, and the day you figure out why. And when we go to God and we offer God who we are, we start figuring out why we're here and what our meaning is and what he wants to bring from those things. The fifth thing, the fifth element of hope is knowing that God has a way forward. Now, there are a lot of times you and I look at life and Man, I, I just don't see a way forward in here. I don't see how we get out of this. I don't see how we come out whole. Have you ever said that in your household? I, I just don't know how we do this. There seems to be no way. Well, apart from Christ, that's the way the world is. You live maybe three score and 10 years and you die. And you're forgotten. Ashes to ashes, dust to dust. And life is over. But that's not the way God created the world. Maybe It may be the way a lot of people believe. It's not the way God created the world because God had a plan. Before the foundation of the world, God planned that you would be born. Before the foundation of the world, God planned that he would send his son into the world. Before the foundation of the world, God planned that he would die as the once and for all sacrifice for our sin. And before the foundation of the world, he knew that he would be raised from the dead. And the day would come when the kingdom of God would be manifest all over and that we 
would be home as his dear children. And before the foundation of the world, God made a way through the giving of the Lord Jesus unto you and me to forgive us, to make us new people, to transform our lives, and to be with us. And we give thanks unto our wonderful Jesus. I want to ask you to stand with me, and then I'm going to pray. And then there will be a song that we will sing together, and you will be dismissed. Uh, I want to remind you every year for Christmas Eve, we receive a benevolence offering. We used to pass plates. We don't do that anymore, but you can give. There's a giving box at every exit that you take. If you would like to, to, to give for that, then we will be joyful to use the money for your neighbors and people in need in our community. We thank you for being here. And if it works for you, we'd love to see you tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we're grateful for your goodness and your blessing. For the Lord Jesus, for salvation, for our families. God, how precious our families are. God, please bless us with warm relationships tonight, tomorrow, of people we know and love. And God, help us to live for you and please you with all of our lives. We pray this in the, the name of our wonderful Savior and Lord Jesus. Amen.